Bill Belichick can't destroy the Jets if we destroy ourselves. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. We're back here for our third season, or season two, as it happens to be numbered for some reason. This is going to be our preview for the week one of the season. We're going to go through all the news that's been happening. We're going to go through some of our wild and crazy predictions for the season. Then look over all the games and some in more detail than others and get ourselves ready for some real motherfucking football. All right, lads, we've got uh, Connor here, we've got Harry. Hey. And we got Ronan dialed in from Cork. Oh, yeah. So what's the crack, lads? How's Trix been? Grand, been incredibly busy at work. Uh, barely had time to, barely had time to myself, barely had time to think. Just been uh, surviving day to day, to be honest with you, and then uh, drinking my weekends away. You know, pretty pretty standard, settling into being a grown-up properly. <laughs> God, that's where I was like, I have no life, and then I get drunk on the weekends. Well, this is I, grown-uphood. This is what I was, I was saying to you earlier. I'm so busy at work that I like I, I don't even have time to smoke, and I'm like, capitalism is exploiting me so badly that I don't even have time to kill myself. Like, that is... <laughs> ooh. That's rough. What about yourself, Ronan? Uh, you finally got that bit of software pushed out the door, do you? Yeah, it's finally done. Amazingly, I know all of you have been, uh, all our listeners have been, you know, uh, with bated breath waiting for the latest developments on uh, that project, but it is complete now. Uh, inquiry advanced. Uh, go <laughs> out and get it right now for all your sample size needs. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the main thing is that I finally have enough free time to concoct crazy trades in fancy football. That's really what I've been missing out on. Usually my summers are just left idling on my computer, coming up with the craziest trade I can. Uh, but you know, I've, I've made up for some lost time already, so, so hopefully good. should have a good couple of weeks going there before the league officially starts. Yeah, my my laptop has decided to kind of half give up the ghost. It mostly doesn't work anymore, so it's very difficult for me to go on and look at things because unfortunately the, the the fantasy football thing doesn't work on my work computer at all. Oh, so it's a pain in the eye. So now I have to go and test my tablet thing and see if that'll work for all the drafts. So I think we've got three or four drafts coming up next week. So oh yeah, shit, we do. You can, you can draft through the app. It's just not great. Yeah, but uh, I'll have to put it on and make sure it works yeah. and stuff. Uh, so that'll be fine. But I suppose we've got a load of shit to get through today, lads, because uh, football is finally coming back. We've Survived three weeks of the preseason. The most irrelevant game of the preseason is coming up, and we're not going to discuss them at all. It's going to be perfect. Uh, we're going to move straight on into some of the news because there's a whole mess of stuff we need to get through. Uh, so we'll start off at the top with uh, Detroit. Matt Stafford has been given the most money of any player ever, or he's the highest paid player now. He's got a five year, $135 million contract with $92 million of that guaranteed. Makes him the highest average paid player in the NFL. We were kind of expecting this to happen once these new quarterback contracts came out. So uh, are we happy with this? Has he earned it? I know we tend to call him a bit of a random numbers generator. He has put together a bit more consistency over the last season, season and a half. And even though he was a random number generator, he was putting up great statistical games and stuff. So would you be happy with this? I know you're a spoilt kind of brat now. You've <laughs> never had to pay a quality quarterback because they'll just pay for fucking peanuts for some reason. But go on. Uh, you know, I, I probably rate Matt Stafford a bit higher than either of you guys do. I know we have different opinions on it, and I would have been, like you said, very much the same as any of you guys two seasons ago. But I think over the last couple of seasons, we've seen real growth um, from this guy and become a much more consistent quarterback. And also, when you when you look at it from the position the Lions are in, Stafford not only has been pretty much the only spark of hope on that franchise at quarterback for a very long time, but has also accounted for a huge amount of that team's offense because this is a team that has struggled to put together a consistent running game for a very, very long time. 
And I think if you, over the last, uh, I can't remember how many years, but I was reading, Stafford has accounted for a higher percentage of his team's yards than any other quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I think last season he was like 79% of their yeah. total offense was which, Matt Stafford. Yes, yeah, which is bananas. And I mean, when you have somebody like that who is able to not only perform at above average rate for so long, but also uh, put the team on his back, for want of a better phrase, where there is nothing else going offensively and the team has to run through its quarterback because there is simply nothing else. But you also don't have like your Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, where teams fear and respect the QB enough to create space for even a mediocre running game to thrive. You have to like look at that and be like, okay, that is a very, very important thing. And that's something that you can't afford to really let go from the franchise. The money being thrown around is crazy. Yes, absolutely. But like you said, that's the market. Somebody else would throw this money at him if they didn't really see there are enough teams who are hungry enough and in a win now enough mode to say, yeah, the guy's a little older, but you know what? He gives us a chance of making the playoffs that we wouldn't have otherwise. We will throw money hand over fist to get this guy. So for Detroit, it it makes sense to say, look, let's lock this down. Let's reward this guy for what he's given us. Um, This is the only chance we have of not regressing into complete bleh is keeping hold of this dude. Let's do it. Do I think he's overpaid in absolute terms? Yes. Do I think it's the worst? No. I mean, remember Joe Flacco? Mm. That was weird. So yeah, like, I think it makes sense. It's a good move. He's a good player. And I think we've seen growth and the idea is that he'll continue to, as we've seen now with quarterbacks, seem to get better as they as they grow older mm-hmm. um, and kind of work that way. And if they, can get a, you know, if they can get a running game going at some point to help him out, this could turn out to be a very, very good investment. And if this is the kind of thing that gets the Lions, A, to the playoffs, which the Lions haven't been great at historically, and B, further into the playoffs... I don't think you'll see a single person complaining. Yeah, no, of course. Now, obviously, this has implications for a couple of other high-named quarterbacks who are going to be coming up for uh, contract extensions soon. So, Fitz, what do you reckon? Like, this obviously looks... So, I think he's getting something like a $27 million a year on average or something. So, this kind of sets the stage for the for breaking the $30 million barrier, really. And we've got two names in particular that would spring to mind. Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers are due for new contracts in the next year or so. Like, do you think that this is going to be market setting or is this going to become the base from which all these guys negotiate upwards no like i think this will be a base that like the elite quarterbacks will be working from and obviously matt ryan obviously is coming off a super bowl year and aaron Rodgers is well aaron Rodgers. so you can expect that this will be the baseline that their their agents will be looking at uh unless they're like they're willing to take a team-friendly deal for you know competitive reasons like uh, certain new england patriots like you know there's been a lag basically between the rapid increase that we've seen in the uh, in the cap uh, and the major contracts given to quarterbacks and really given around the league for quarterbacks because quarterbacks tend to, to sign such long contracts the lag tends to be a bit longer so you know you look at a contract that was signed only a few seasons ago by players like Andrew Luck or Russell Wilson and now they look like now they look if both of them stay healthy um, like fairly cheap uh, but what we're going to see is that you know over approximately two to three years through the massive cap inflation and we can only expect that the amount of money relative to the cap that quarterbacks will continue to take when they're as good as these players, as good as Matt Ryan, as good as Aaron Rodgers, can only be com- consummate what it was previously. So, yeah, I think we're pretty close to getting the first $30 million per year contract. And it wouldn't surprise me with one of those guys within the next year or two. Um, so, you know, you could say they're overpaid, but if you have a franchise quarterback, you are a competitive team. You do have hope. And if you don't, as we'll probably talk about pretty soon, yeah. I think pretty goddamn desperate. So uh, from that perspective, it's, it's always money well spent. So I expect to see that kind of 30 million mark being hit 
uh, by one of those two players probably sooner rather than later. Yeah, fair enough. From uh, from the likes of Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers to uh, the quarterback battles that have been ongoing for the for the preseason so far, we have got uh, winners, likely winners, and for the most part, though, lockdown confirmed by their team winners. Uh, so we'll run through a few of these and we'll see what you guys make of these. Uh, I have a feeling, after our discussion last week, I know where this one's going to go. Jacksonville have confirmed that Blake Bortles will be the week one starter. He's got a short leash uh, over Chad Henney and he's also got Brandon Allen, the weird bastard child of Brandon Allard and Nate Allen, uh, <laughs> breathing over his shoulder for quarterback snaps. What do we reckon, guys? Blake Boyles, is this a cemented, he's here for the next 17 weeks kind of job? I've, I've never seen somebody declared a week one starter with more emphasis on the week one. Mm. Like, Bortles could be benched after a game. That's literally the situation we're at. Like, um, a week ago, it looked like Chad Henney was going to be the starter. Yeah. And, and then they kind of changed their mind, essentially, not really on the basis of anything that happened on the field, but just on the basis of the fact that they were more comfortable with Bortles out there, which I don't know what that says about Chad Henney or about the management in Jacksonville. I, I, oh, it's just a mess, isn't it? Because, I mean, none of these options are good. You've got Bortles, who we know what his limits are, and every year seems to get worse and worse and worse. Chad Henney, we know, is not a good quarterback. Chad Henney is somebody who you want as a backup because he, you know, he works hard, he knows the playbook, but he is very limited and he's not somebody you can rely on to really start in anything other than a spot where he's thrust into. Yeah. And Brandon Allen is a late-round pick who, yeah, he looked promising against third and fourth stringers, but you can't you can't throw a guy like that out there. No. But I just feel this is going to become a carousel in, in Jacksonville. This could be like we saw in Cleveland last season where just nobody was good, so they were just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to end up with the same situation here. And it's very, very worrying for the Jags because they can invest all this money in the defense, all this money on the O-line, and it does not matter if they do not have a quarterback. Uh, I'm, I'm sticking with what I said last day. I have, a, I have a feeling they're going to end up with themselves a little bit of Colin Kaepernick at some point. Uh, Chicago, they have said that Mike Glennon is the starter, just about, over uh, Mitch Trubisky. Roland, looking at how Mike Glennon has played versus how Mitch Trubisky has played, I presume Mike Glennon is the starter for like six quarters, right? Yeah, if he's, if he's lucky, basically. Like, John Fox <laughs> is inherently a bit of a conservative coach, and I could see him going, well, we'll give the veteran a chance, kind of thing. But, like, based on what we saw in the preseason, Mike Lennon looks like what he is, which is probably a career backup. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, he looks raw, but he looks like someone who is... could, could get, a, get a fan base excited. And, like, realistically, in Chicago, especially after they, after they lose, uh, they've lost a few pieces, is that they're not really going to compete in the NFC North. What you really want to do is show that the team is moving forward and the way Mitch Trubisky is playing, the fans are just going to demand it sooner rather than later and with John Fox's job on the line, he's going to give it to the pressure sooner or later. We've seen this script so many times over the last few years uh, and I don't expect it to be any different in Chicago. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, the New York Jets have decided that Josh McCown is going to go down with the ship as most uh, captain this Titanic. Uh, he's been named starter over Hackenberg and over uh, Petty. This is this is one where we're going to see all three of these guys throughout the year. This is going to be mix and match. This is this is going to be the Browns of last year, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, if they got into their wide receiver throwing passes, I mean, they don't have any wide receivers to throw passes, so it might not mm. quite be as bad as the Browns. But, yeah, I, I'm a bit surprised, to be honest with you, that McCown did win the starting job simply because this is a team that, as we all know, is in full-on tank mode right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seems to me that if you're in full-on tank mode, you might as well throw Hackenberg and or Petty out there and if they, because look, I mean, McCown, we know what he can do, and he's not good, 
but he's probably better than Hackenberg and Petty. Yeah, but the worst case scenario, you know, Hackenberg and or Petty play well, and you might be able to trade one of them for some kind of mm-hmm. late round pick. Here you do nothing, and you actually have given yourself possibly a marginally better chance at winning games, which I don't really think is what the Jets want to do this season. No. But either way, it's going to be very, very rough, and I do think we're going to see McCown fuck up enough that, like, much like Chicago, not for the sense of hope, but out of a sense of desperation, the fan base will essentially force a change um, to the stage where, I mean, you remember a few seasons ago where Mark Sanchez was playing so badly that the fans wanted McElroy to start, like Greg McElroy to start, yeah. who did nothing as a starter and proceeded to do nothing with the rest of his career. The Jets could find themselves in the same kind of situation very, very quickly. And imagine so. I was just thinking, uh, I saw a thing pop up on Facebook. I think it was three years ago today we saw the hack attack in Dublin. That's right, live in the flesh in uh, Croke Park. Yeah, it was a good crack. It was actually, it was a very enjoyable game. Uh, as I said, I was surprised. It's like fucking no, no one out of that game really uh, made. The starting tackle in Tampa Bay uh, was a Penn State player. And other than, other than that one lineman, none of the rest of them have gone on to do anything. No. A few of them got ball. drafted, but they've never yeah. done anything really. Um, okay, I'm down to Houston, who are currently having problems with the uh, the hurricane that's, that's circling around there. They have uh, decided to name Tom Savage the starter over the rookie Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I probably think this is probably a safe shout to go with Deshaun Watson. Didn't look ready. This gives him a bit of time. They have a strong enough defense and team outside of the quarterback. Like we, they made the fucking playoffs. Brock Osweiler last year, right? Like that says it all. They're a strong enough team. They'll be able to get through, even if it means in the back half of the season they bring in the rookie. I can see this being a safe pair of hands. A Tom Savage is going to play at least eight to ten games. Yeah. Yeah, and he's looked pretty good in the preseason. Like, he had a couple of games there where he was moving the offense well, even with that offensive line looking a bit dodgy, uh, with Dwayne Brown, uh, like, holding out on the left tackle position. So, yeah, I think, like, it made sense basically. Like, he outplayed Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson looked okay in parts. So, I think it's the right decision for the team. And, you know, if you get average play out of a quarterback in Houston, you're looking pretty well, Mm -hmm. as you said there. So. I think that's what they're looking for here. Yeah, Cleveland have decided that they're going to go with the rookie, Deshaun Kaiser. So he's won the job over Brock Lobster and uh, Cody Kessler. Again, I think I, this seems to make sense. There's no there's no massive value to them showcasing Brock Osweiler or anything. They're not going to be trading anyone for him. If they think they've got a chance at something new with these young ones, they have to try them out, don't they? My concern is that although Kaiser showed flashes, I don't think he's ready. And I'm a little concerned this might be a case of throwing him out there to see what you've got a little too soon. He's the kind of guy who I think would benefit from sitting for a bit, even if that does mean you're trotting out one of those two great disasters at quarterback that they have on the mm-hmm. roster otherwise. We know this isn't going to be a successful season for Cleveland, um, and it's a different situation to Hackenberg and Petty, who've been around for a few years, yeah. and you're going to be looking to offload at some point. This guy, they want to be the future of the franchise. I don't think he's going to come in, and I don't think he's going to be like you know a Dak Prescott or whatever, from last season if they can keep him safe and if they can keep him upright it's going to be okay but my concern is that he might get hurt uh, before he's basically ready to to play mm-hmm. and that could be a concern but I, I think it's it's excusable given how poor the other guys look and it's like look let's give this guy day one let's see what he can do let's see what we've got here and if he stinks mm. we'll just draft another quarterback next year well I think it says a lot because like, they wanted Brock Lobster to be the starting quarterback here. They wanted him to win the job so they could just shelter their guy for eight weeks, get him up to speed in the playbook. They threw everything at trying to get someone else to be the starter, and it says a lot about the rest of that QB room that he's not. Absolutely. Uh, Denver have also made a decision. Trevor Simeon is going to be the starter over Paxton Lynch. Uh, Fitz, I'm going to come to you on this one. This has to be at least 
the start of an indictment on the, the draft choice of Paxton Lynch coming back into the first to select him coming into the second year not being able to win the starting job over what was I believe a sixth round seventh, seventh round pick and from all reports from the camp it's not even necessarily a close thing Paxton Lynch isn't just not able to handle running a huddle as a quarterback at this level like that's something that we have to accept is now looking to be a large failure for this team right? In year two you're expecting your first round quarterback to at least be pushing for the job and the fact that he got soundly beat in the preseason that it wasn't even really close that when you saw that when you saw the voting in play that Trevor Simeon looked significantly better than Paxton Lynch kind of gives you an indication that you know maybe this was a reach and I think it was a reach I think there's always that pressure to have that first round quarterback not only because of the you know expectation stuff but also due to the contractual stuff with rookies yeah, um, getting that extra but, year yeah I, I, and I think in this case you know, I think the hype caught up with them and they might have got a, caught a dud here. But, you know, they can put him behind Trevor Simeon for another year. Maybe he can develop. But for right now, Trevor Simeon is what he is. He's a decent quarterback. He's solid, but he's not going to win you games by himself. Um, so, really, it's going to be another year where Denver's defense is going to have to step up and the offense will just need to, you know, get enough points to, to make their efforts worthwhile. Uh, like, there is enough talent there and the offensive line looks a bit better this year, but that's not saying much. So... Trevor Simeon should be able to do some things, but we know who Trevor Simeon is. He's not the, like going to be a, a franchise quarterback uh, for like for a decade or so. I don't think uh, he is what he is, and we'll see how that works out for Denver this year. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, we'll fly through a couple of the injuries that happened since we talked to you last. So, biggest ones of note: New England wide receiver Julian Edelman has uh, injured his ACL and he's out for the season. This is obviously a big hit to the New England Patriots. They do have a lot of options to try and replace him, but this was a player who was really well established. Has a good rapport with the quarterback. This has to this has to hurt quite a bit. For me. It, it does hurt um, because there's nobody really who can play Edelman's exact role. And I mean, the closest obviously is Danny Amendola, but even then, like Edelman's like short distance quickness or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. his his agility, it, it was something unique on the team. And as you said, his rapport with Brady there hasn't been a player quite like that. So it's a loss of a, a safety blanket. It's a loss of a guy who is very very reliable uh, at just getting to the line to gain. Um, he's, a guy, he's, he's a guy who had a, I think it was 106 catches last year and like 98 the year before exactly. he's always good for a good 100 catches which is a huge it's, amount to cut out it, it is a lot and you think it, the impact might be lessened a bit just because there are so many other players to distribute mm-hmm. that to and now this probably means that we can hang on to an extra pass catching running back because God knows we've got about five yeah. of them at this point but yeah it's, it, it's a loss of short target it's, it's the kind of situation where you're now right okay we really need Rob Gronkowski to stay healthy for a lot of the season mm-hmm. to take up a lot of that slack we need uh, James White and Dion Lewis to stay healthy to again make make the difference and play into that role. Even guy like Rex Burkhead, yeah, uh, can do that kind of thing. But it, there's nobody quite like Edelman on that on that roster, and it is a it, it is a blow. My big concern with it is is that you have a guy who you've got a lot of like guys in there who are talented, right? But Edelman was like a, a center point there. He was a very much a focal piece, and he was very much part of so much of the offense. Like I said, went through him, and it wasn't just the number of catches; it was like so much of this playbook, and so much of those the, the, the way we the way the Patriots run routes. Edelman fit perfectly into that mm-hmm. that ability to adapt uh, and change on the fly. 
and have that reporter brain and that understanding of what to do because we audible a lot and so on and losing that that's where you're worried that somebody who might even have even if you do have somebody who can replace that skill set might not be able to replace the ease with which Edelman just slotted into it and mm. understood the way the offense ran so that is definitely one to watch and I think that definitely does make us weaker albeit hopefully we have enough sort of pieces to patch the hole yeah of course uh, Kansas City also had a similar problem uh, Spencer Ware the running back for Kansas City has done his PCL and he's probably gone for the season all reports seem suggest that he's gone for for the next 12 months obviously this is going to be a blow to the team he was the feature back last year kind of had a breakout year the year previous between himself and Jack Hendrick West whenever they took over job for uh, when when Jamal Charles was injured this is a player who I think they were expecting to run a lot of the north and south through he was a strong runner this injury happened when he was charging for I think a game five and a half yards after he got hit uh, and that's how he did his knee which kind of shows the way he plays it's interesting because it now means I thought that they were going to give a 50-50 share in the backfield between him and the rookie uh, who, who's coming in and it now looks like they're just going to have to push the rookie hunt directly into being in the starting position and then he'll be backed up by West um, so obviously it's a blow I'll be interested to see how they work around it because they do have a lot of similar not, not the same depth at New England but a lot of running backs sitting around because even uh, even the smaller chaps like DeAnthony Thomas and Tyree Kill uh, take snaps at running back take take jet sweeps and things like that so there's a lot of ways to play but Spencer Ware is a different type of running back that we don't really have a replacement for on the roster uh, so we might maybe be using Anthony Sherman as a bit more of a, of a pounder at goal lines than we would have in, in, in other spots or as, a, as more of a, a lead eye formation stuff to try and give you push up that middle keep, keep him away from Burfoot yeah well we'll be talking about that in a bit um, Fitz your boys have uh, suffered as well they've got uh, George Fant the offensive tackle who's uh, done his ACL and he's out for the season as well uh, this has been a great week for our teams hasn't it um, so tell us a little bit about this uh, who what like what what 12 year old are you going to be bringing up now to join your, your offensive line yeah, so like George Font was the presumed left tackle that looked okay in preseason, then he goes down ACL in, in game two of the preseason. The current favourite is Reese Odiamo, who's a third round pick from last year, um, whose most famous contribution last season was uh, tripping over Russell Wilson in his own end zone. <laughs> uh, so, you know, he looked okay, he looked terrible against the Minnesota when he came in, he looked better against Kansas City in, in, in game three. Um, I think it's just a case with it. I think they will try to maintain the rest of the line and just fill in one of the other guys and compete for the left tackle spot. Uh, but you know, like you know, the only good thing is that the Seahawks line was never good, so it's not the same as like Joe Thomas, for example. It's yeah. just one of those things uh, that they'll have to work around again uh, by a Russell Wilson magic bullshit, presumably. Well, on the plus side, it does sound like uh, like Joe Tom- like Joe Thomas is available for trade if they want to go and uh, and go after him at all. But uh, I will say one thing that that, that uh, incident with the, the fella, the new left tackle, my favorite part of that, other than that he obviously tripped up his own quarterback in the end zone for a safety. You know who he was guarding against during that play? He was bullied back by a backup center oh, who was taking yes. D line snaps of the fog like that's bad that's- man. That, that's Dodge. Uh, we'll fly through. Also, uh, we'll also mention Tyrod Taylor got a concussion. We're uncertain about what the time periods around that are going to be. Uh, this is interesting because if you've been following the news at all, you'll know that Buffalo are currently trying to not be a competitive team. 
Uh, this would give them a good way to jettison one of their quarterbacks as well. So we'll see what happens uh, in, in relation to that. We'll probably have an update for you after the after week one of games. We'll fly through a couple of other injuries. Uh, Anthony Hitchens, linebacker for Dallas, is gone. Bryce Petty is out for a couple of weeks with an MTL sprain for the Jets. Cameron Meredith is done for the season for the Bears. Uh, Albert McLean is done for the season for Baltimore. Jesus, they just keep losing everyone in Baltimore. They will not be able to start a team. Like... Uh, New York Giants, Odell Beckham Jr. hurt his ankle a little bit. I don't know why this is a fucking news story, uh, but it's Odell <laughs> Beckham Jr., so it has to be a fucking news story. It's one of those advertising dollars, you know? Yeah, and uh, Vonta Davis has hurt his groin. He's going to be out for multiple weeks. This is going to be a big hit to Indianapolis. Uh, so those are those are all the, the injuries. Uh, there's been a couple of player personnel movements as well. Uh, just today, uh, which might give you an idea of the length of time it takes us to edit and get these things done. Um, <laughs> Joe Hayden has been cut by the Cleveland Browns, so he's now hitting the free market two-time Pro Bowler. Going to be interesting to see where he gets picked up. He's had two particularly down seasons versus what the rest of his career has looked like. Whether that's a reflection of the team he was on or where he is as a player these days, we'll see. It's probably a mixture of the two. Uh, what do we reckon, guys? He's going to find a job somewhere. Yeah, you'd think there's enough teams with struggling backfields that they'll at least take a take a chance this guy. And I mean, we saw last season he was not able to keep up with number one wide receivers, but there are teams that could he could definitely do a job as a number two or in a rotation. The question will, of course, be what his contract demands are. I think probably a large reason why he was cut rather than traded was that teams weren't willing to take on, I think he was juicing like 11 million. Uh, yeah, 11 and a half million, yeah. and then I'm not sure what the year two, because they'd be taking the whole contract Exactly, over. so it was a lot to pay for a guy who had struggled, so he will probably come back, but I, I, it depends on what teams are willing to pay and what he's willing to take mm. and how much he wants to you know, continue playing for that. But he definitely has enough talent to be on a team he just does not have the talent to be a number one corner. And the question is whether or not he's willing to no longer be paid like a number one corner because he's not going to be. Yeah. Jürgen released Coney Ely, who they uh, traded for last season, wasn't it? Um, um, this off-season, actually. Oh, this off-season, fair enough. Uh, even more easily. Uh, he's been claimed by the New York Jets. Uh, so obviously just another sleeper cell sent by Bill Belichick to try and destroy <laughs> a divisional rival. Uh, they don't need much help. Stop giving them spies, Bill. <laughs> That's literally like the Jets have like you know that meme where with the guy pointing at his head it's like Bill Belichick can't destroy the Jets if we destroy ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Coney twenty twelve is gone, uh, failed experiment in New England. They didn't give up a huge amount for him. I think it was just moving around in one of the rounds, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it didn't work worthwhile cut. Uh Ahmad Brooks has been signed by Green Bay for five million, left San Francisco. Cyrus Quan- oh, <laughs> fuck you guys Cyrus Quanjo close enough yeah Robin Sackle from Detroit has now been cut um, he lost to Greg Robinson that probably tells you where he's at yeah <laughs> fair yeah, last, last time we checked in on Cyrus he, he wasn't doing very well so hopefully he's at least uh, doing better in his personal life and not having was, was he the one who was running around the field yeah yeah and asked cops to shoot him yeah, yeah. so hopefully he's uh, doing a bit better mentally even if physically mm. he doesn't seem to be able to play anymore yeah, I've got a couple more transactions uh, as well. So actually, a couple of interesting ones in this. So Kansas City trade a 2019 fourth rounder to Buffalo for uh, inside linebacker Reggie Ragland. Big star coming out of college, drafted in the second round, was injured, so didn't play any of last year. It's an interesting move. As you said, Buffalo are clearing house. So there's both a combination of clearing house uh, and scheme fit because this guy is more sort of to a 3-4 and they've moved to a 4-3 uh, since they got rid of Rex Ryan. So this could be a nice fit. What do you reckon, guys? Uh, fourth round pick for, I suppose, upside and potential rather than a proven commodity at a position that I think Kansas City needed a bit of depth in? 
Yeah, like I think it's fine to be honest. If you trade like a fourth rounder, really isn't isn't honestly that big of a price to pay for a guy who you know has that upside, has that potential, and like even if he just becomes a rotational piece on like sort of a two down run stuffer, which seems mm. to be the kind of role he. That's what we're looking for, really. Yeah, kind of role he'd play the best in. That's that's worth a fourth rounder. And, like, you're also getting a cheap contract. He's only played one year out of his rookie deal. Yeah. So So you're getting three seasons for basically nothing. So, for me, yeah, this makes sense. It makes sense for Kansas City to to pay a fairly low cost there. And it it also makes sense for Buffalo, who seem to be uh, accumulating picks to get off a player who wasn't fitting into their scheme, albeit, Mm -hmm. obviously, one who had tremendous athletic talent and uh, upside has a better chance to succeed wherever. Yeah. Kansas City also trade a 2018 fifth rounder uh, for offensive lineman Cam Irving from uh, Cleveland. Uh, so this was an interesting one because uh, they've kind of paid and set uh, a lot of their offensive line in place uh, already. They've got them kind of locked up for a while. So I'm not sure whether this is a injury concern, looking to bring someone in as a swing option, or, or, or how this is going to fit into the rotation. Fitz, what's your take on this? Yeah, well, it's a former first rounder, so obviously... The, the raw tools are presumably there. He never really found a place in in Cleveland, but you know Cleveland just spent a lot of money on the offensive line, so obviously they don't really need have the same need to kind of play these kind of project players anymore. Um, so I think based on when he was playing in, in in the Browns, he kind of was playing mostly inside guard and center. And I think yeah, I think it's just this is a depth move. It's another kind of low risk trade where if he works out, if the talent can be brought back out, and we know that Kansas City have a good coaching staff there, that they could, if they can make something out of it, um, then that, that, that's good value, especially with the premium on offensive tackle talent these days. It's, you know, it's so hard to find an offensive tackle that teams are really having to make these kind of plays just to see if they can improve their depth. And obviously, with someone with this kind of uh, draft status, it could be a potential starter going forward. Yeah, like I said, like this is the thing. It's a, it's a taking a punt at maybe restarting a career and training them up a bit differently. Like he's been shite so far. <laughs> let's be honest. Let's hope that's just him being on the Browns, rather just him. But uh, I haven't heard much good about him. Pittsburgh have also traded. They gave a 2018 fourth rounder for Vance McDonald, the tight end from San Francisco. This is interesting. One, it's obviously a good pickup for Pittsburgh, I think, in my head. But two, I was reading something there about this is literally the worst time that San Francisco could have traded Vance McDonald because they're on the hook for like six million to this guy, even though he's traded. Uh, that literally they would have been better off cutting him. So it's an interesting move. Uh, like I, I suppose getting a fourth like, rounder so they, is good, but so they Brock Osweiler themselves. Essentially, yeah, they Brock Osweiler themselves. Uh, I don't, I, I don't like. Hey, okay. the GMs in the Hall of Fame. Right, let's 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 take this from from the Pittsburgh's approach. This makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, to an extent, I mean, you get a guy who's a pretty good, solid blocking tight end, solid receiving tight end, and they really since Heath Miller retired, they haven't really yeah. had a whole lot going on there. Like guys like Grimble and the other David Johnson are okay, <laughs> but not much more than that. And obviously, the whole Ladarius Green thing was um, sidetracked, sidelined by injuries very very quickly. So, yeah, it's fine for Pittsburgh, but for San Fran, given the money, yeah, I'm just not sure what yeah. they're at. I do, yeah, I, I don't understand this from a San Fran perspective at all, uh, unless, like, they, they've already, they know how the season's going to go, and they've already started into the tape for next season, and they've picked out a fourth-round talent that they've got their eye on uh, yeah, a <laughs> year in advance. For, you know, fullbacks, you know? <laughs> uh, that's it. Uh. Um, other news: New England picked up uh, Marquis Flowers from Cincinnati linebacker for a seventh rounder in the 2018 draft, and Baltimore have extended John Harbaugh to 2019. 
Also, sorry, we nearly forgot the most important trade of the entire thing. Now, this is this is one that's very close to, to, to Harry's heart. Uh, New Orleans have traded a 2018 seventh rounder for long snapper John Durembos. Durembos. Durembos uh, from Philadelphia. <laughs> and Indianapolis have traded long snapper Thomas Hennessy to New York Jets for their safety, Ronald Martin. This is a lot of long snapper trade action. We normally don't get any, and now we've got two in the space of like a week and a half. I'm delighted. I've got to say, how bad must Ronald Martin be that he got traded for a long snapper? Like, I mean, that's, oh, that is a professional slap in the face. I just love this. I love the people trading for long snappers. This is all because Bill Belichick got out and said, oh, you always need to know if you sleep better at night when you've got a good backup long snapper. And all these teams are like, oh, shit, man. Yeah, better do what he says. <laughs> yeah. That's just gas. I love it. I love those guys who are getting a bit of love. I did like. I was looking for for one of our bits. We're going to go to now on our uh, on our kind of weird predictions for the year. Uh, I did do a bit of research on long snappers for our long snapper of the year, and I did like that. There's a huge variety in them, so they go all the way from there's one that's five foot ten all the way up to one that's six foot seven. There you go. Nice, nice bit of variety going on. Although I looked at it, I thought five foot ten. That's about the height I am, and I looked and I was like, holy shit, that guy is like. 40 kgs heavier than I and I'm not a small man like, but holy shit that guy must just be like a small wall he's a square he's a square <laughs> on to our favourite part of this and every week uh, crime and punishment what are they up to probably felonies uh, oh it is Sean Smith arrested for felony assault uh, <laughs> Sean Smith, the quarterback he used to be with the Kansas City Chiefs, is now with the, the Oakland Raiders. And as we mentioned in our most recent podcast, has been downgraded to the fifth string cornerback slash stand-in inside linebacker. He has now uh, been arrested for felony assault. From what we gather about this incident, it is he beat up his sister's boyfriend. The initial reports that we're hearing seem to be that there's something going on between the sister and the boyfriend. Sounds a little bit like the domestic abuse stuff that we hear about, and that he went and he beat the shit out of him. Which, to be fair, if that is the story, I can understand it a lot more, uh, which is fair enough. Uh, I did think the most poignant uh, statement made about this was, uh, I saw a a Raiders fan online said, uh, I saw that Sean Smith hit something and I knew it had to be an off-season incident because he sure as fuck doesn't do that in many games. So, Rodan, does this does this hurt them losing their fifth string cornerback? No. Uh. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Onwards to Cincinnati. Vontez Burfitt has been uh, slapped with well with an expected five game suspension for his cheap shot on uh, the Kansas City fullback in the most recent uh, well not the most recent the second preseason game. So it was a very it's very much a traditional uh, ball was already out of the hands player was looking away play had already gone from that area and he went and smacked him right in the back uh, blindsided hit him uh, it was not a very nice hit but it also doesn't strike me as a five game suspension hit well there's a couple of things going on first it's interesting you said because uh, it was actually within five yards of the line of scrimmage that's something that only became a severe penalty this season mm-hmm. uh, this is actually a new rule change and a new point in emphasis and of course of course Vontas Burfitt would be the yeah. first person to yeah. violate it but yeah. It was hitting him from, um, yeah, he came in basically from the side. Uh, it, was, it was sneaky from Burford because he technically hit it, he technically hit him in the front. But um, you have basically Sherman running east-west and Burford moving north-south. Mm-hmm. And he sort of came at him at an angle. So he just hit him in the front and smashed his shoulder basically into his upper chest and neck mm-hmm. area. So that's two people defending this online, like, yeah. for fuck's sake. There's two two egregious fouls. Is it a five-game suspension if it's not Vontas Burfitt? No, of course it isn't. Does Vontas Burfitt deserve a five-game suspension yeah. for this? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. at a certain point, 
There's only so many minor punishments you can give. Vontis Burford has amassed nearly $2 million in fines yeah, over I saw history. That today. Like, how do you do that? <laughs> Some players don't even earn that much money. That's crazy. Oh, it's mental. So, yeah, is it, it, yeah it's totally just because it's Vontis Burford. But Vontis Burford is a dirty enough player that he totally deserves to be. Oh, yeah, he does. Suspended for five um, games. Fucking. Yeah. Uh, Houston, Jalen Strong's been suspended for one game for substance abuse policy violation. Uh, something to do with marijuana charge from uh, last year at one point. So, it's a one game suspension. Suspension, not a huge impact, I don't think. Uh, obviously, they'll miss him, but it's only one game. And the final bit, and probably the most uh, large scale, is probably Zeke and his suspension for domestic assault. Has had his appeal. Insiders seem to be telling us that his appeal will fail, uh, as he is already readying himself for federal court and to appeal it up to the highest level that he possibly can. Uh, are we in any way surprised by this? No, no, and he's also going to lose in court because there was a precedent established last year that Roger Goodell can do whatever the fuck he wants. So. Yeah. That's a like, if even Tom Brady, a white guy, can't win against <laughs> That's true. That's <laughs> true. Argue with that. uh, and then in two final little bits of news to wrap up. Uh, interesting enough, the Jags don't think this season's going to go too well. Uh, they've started giving away $200 food and drinks vouchers if you buy a season <laughs> ticket. I uh, think they might be worried about, uh, about attendance. <laughs> just, give, just give away pieces of Blake Borton. I don't know. That might be more useful. Yeah. Oh God, it's terrible. Uh, and the other one that uh, kind of hit the hit the news today um, is that the Broncos are reportedly shopping TJ Ward at the moment. Uh, a report came out yesterday saying that uh, they had received a phone call or two about this, or that Ward himself was looking for this. And then it followed up today with a statement from the team saying actually they have been talking to people and they have been making phone calls about shopping him, which is an interesting move given that. As we said, this is a team that's going to rely heavily on their defence. This is a new defensive coordinator. Could this be a scheme issue? Or what do we think could be driving could this? could just be getting rid of a player who suplexes opposing wide receivers after the whistle has gone move. But they're happy with the team to leave still being on the team. And yeah, he's, but he's, he's better than TJ Ward. Yeah, so <laughs> he's better, but he's still a complete dick. That's true. But uh, for now, this will take us on to our very early preview predictions, uh, what we like to call our premature congratulations. So, we're going to probably use the same categories as we did last year. So, this is premature congratulations. This is giving out awards well in advance of the time that we should actually be making these choices. Uh, so, we're going to start out with uh, Rookie of the Year. So, Harry, who have you got for Rookie of the Year? I have got Dante Foreman, who I think is going to win that starting job down in Houston, and I think he's going to be great. Very good. Fitz, what about yourself? Got uh, Dalvin Cook, the uh, rookie running back in Minnesota. Very good. I think we've got a bit of a uh, theme going here. I have got Kareem Hunt, uh, rookie running back of Kansas City, who has now de facto been handed the starting job, although be it with a bit of a rotation going on. If we want to get a bit of an idea of how we did last year, we didn't do too badly. Uh, last year, my rookie of the you year didn't. pick was Derek Henry, who had a pretty decent season. Fitz, you had a great pick. You had Zeke Elliott. Uh, Harry, who did you have? <laughs> Tajay Sharp. Tajay Sharp. Aww. Poor Harry. It's a good shout, though. He's, good he's, he's one and zero in fights. Yeah, yeah. Although, really, we'll see how the how the how the investigation goes around right that. Um, next up, we've got MVP. Uh, I've gone for Aaron Rodgers. The, the 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 classic. You know, we're facing into a new season. Of course, Aaron Rodgers is going to be incredible. Nothing bad could ever happen there. Uh, Fitz, Tom Brady. All right. Also, Tom Brady. Interested enough, Harry. Uh, you had Tom Brady last year. Uh, Every year, it's probably a solid bet. Uh, Fitz, you had David Johnson, and I, on a slightly less successful note, had uh, Carson Palmer. He would have been MVP if he wasn't injured and shit. Uh, 
Uh, next up, we've got Defensive Rookie of the Year. Harry, you have... I have Miles Garrett. I think okay. he's great. Going to tear things up in Cleveland. Fitz? Miles Garrett as well. It's the obvious choice. Uh, really? You think the defensive rookie of the year is going to come from the fucking Browns? Uh, well, you if you get look. 15 sacks, it doesn't matter how bad your team is. It does. It does. You can get 20. Was it 24 sacks and not get? Uh, so that was that was just defensive player. Of the yeah, year. JJ Watt isn't in this category, so he's okay. Yeah, that's true. Uh, TJ or TJ <laughs> Watt is up. TJ Watt. <laughs> uh, I've gone with Jack McKinley uh, on this one. Just think. Looked very good in the preseason, and I have a feeling that defense is going to look nice. Last year, we had a, actually we all right. We had a pretty good call on this one. Defensive rookie of the year, I went with Chris Jones, who had a very good season. Fitz, you went with Joey Bosa, who had a fucking monster season. And Harry, you went with that. Jalen Ramsey, also had a very nice season. So we uh, did pretty good on that. We didn't do so well in the next category. Comeback player of the year, uh, I've gone JJ Watt because I think it's kind of obvious. I really don't want it to be, but it will be. Yeah, JJ Watt for me as well, just because. Like, if we're predicting what the NFL will do, then yes. It's yeah. To be See, I like Harry's choice on this, but I just. Because it would, would be my choice except the fact that I know JJ Watt's going to win this. Yeah, but I didn't want to pick, like, JJ J. J. Watt's going to win it. But I didn't want to pick JJ Watt because fuck JJ Watt. So I've gone with uh, Keenan Allen because, mm. yeah, the talent is. Yeah, is there the only downside is he plays for the Chargers so he'll only play about four games we'll come to that in a moment <laughs> uh, last year our comeback players were uh, I had Jamal Charles woo game and a half uh, Fitz had Colin Kaepernick blackballed and doesn't have a job anymore Harry had Keenan Allen played okay. for like 22 minutes I'm going to keep picking Keenan Allen okay but what a great 22 minutes. Oh, they were wonderful. Oh, God. Come on their back players. So this is the prize for the worst defensive back. Uh, uh, you've gone for? I've gone for Logan Ryan. Great CB2. Going to get shredded as a CB1. Fair enough. What about yourself, Ronan? I've taken Antoine Bethel, but really whoever is the quarterback two in Arizona is going to get absolutely killed. Yeah, I've gone with Kenny Vaccaro because he's fucking safety on the Saints. Like, they're going to... They've, they've managed to hold the record for giving up the most points and then break their own fucking record. I do not trust anyone on that secondary. What do we have on this last year? Uh, last year we had... I had Josh Norman. I stand by that. He was shite. He was okay, but he was shite. He's not worth the money they were paying him. Uh, Fitz, you had Byron Maxwell. And Harry, you had Joe Hayden. Yeah, Joe Hayden. Pretty happy with that pick. Yeah, uh, pretty Joe Hayden isn't. <laughs> That's true. Uh, now he's cut. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Our, uh, our top long snappers, I've gone with uh, Tanner Purdom uh, from the New York Jets, mostly because of his surname, Purdom. Purdom. Fitz, you've gone for? I went for the trade action, John Darbus. Oh, oh yeah. Fantastic. What a trade for him, he must be great. And Harry, you've gone for... John Darbus was going to be my pick, but I was like, no, fuck it, I'm going to go with, again, LP Latticer, part of one of the best uh, special teams kicking units in the league down in Dallas. I've decided that what I really want to happen is I want Ronald Martin to go to Indianapolis and compete for the long snapper job. <laughs> like, just change position in response to how he was traded. That would be incredible. Love that. Then I'd back him. Then he'd be my pick. Uh, okay, we've got Brandon Browner Memorial Most Flags Award. Uh, I've gone with Akeem Tlaib because he's a dirty fucker. Fitz, you have gone with... Uh, even though controversially he's probably going to miss half the season I think Vontaze yeah. Burford is still going to get it I would have gone with Vontaze Burford apart yeah. from the season missing exactly I think he's really got that you know eye of the tiger that he can, he can still come back and get those flags yeah <laughs> fair enough what about yourself Harry? it might be Pac-Man Jones instead. Yeah. yeah he'll make up the ground I've gone with Mike Mitchell who is an underrated dirty player 
uh, down in Pittsburgh who gets away with filthy hits. But I think this is the year refs might start copping onto him. Last year, Harry, for this section, chose the entire Bills O-line. Fitz went with the ineligible Andy Reid challenge flags, which, you see, what you forgot is Andy forgets to throw them at all, more so than he throws them at the wrong time. Uh, what he'll do is he'll start to try and take timeouts when he's got no timeouts left. That would be a better... Yeah, flags thrown on Andy Reid trying to use timeouts that don't exist. Um, uh, if Jack Fisher was still in the league, it'd be like most... Oh, most flags <laughs> lost <laughs> in pockets. Um, I had July 12th last year uh, for, for the most flags. Uh, so we've got... These are these are where we get very, uh, very out there now. So we've got the Sanchez, which is our award for the most embarrassing moment of the season. So, I have gone for the moment when a team trades for Brock Osweiler you, after you, their QB slash QBs get injured. Even better, you've written Brick Osweiler. <laughs> I, love, is, I love Lamp. That is perfect. Uh, that is a perfect nickname. I think an update, to be honest. Uh, Fitz? Uh, we've already discussed it, but I think the uh, Jacksonville roller coaster quarterback uh, will be pretty fun. Bortles, Henny, Allen, who will win? Not the Jacksonville Jaguars. Fair so, enough. I think it'll be pretty fun. And uh, your most embarrassing moment award? Yeah, I've gone with the continued existence of the New York Jets, who at this point should just be relegated to the Atlantic Coastal Conference. That's a lot of moments to, to, to claim altogether. Well, you can't pick one. You know they're going to be... I don't see... I would, I would be thinking like the most, the most embarrassing one would probably be whenever they are complete shit, but they still don't get the first overall pick. Like just that moment where like they accidentally win their Week 16 yeah, we'll come, game We'll come to that. We'll come yeah. to that. Uh, our next one, or so actually, what was our picks last year for the for the Sanchez Award? Uh, I had Pats beating the Dolphins with Jimmy Garoppolo and losing with Brady. That didn't happen. Uh, Fitz had when Colin Kaepernick actually defeats racism. It's gotten worse. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Harry had. Uh, <laughs> it's gone rather poorly. Um, and uh, Harry had when Eddie Lacy appears in The Biggest Loser and loses. You see, we kind of 50 50 because he's now gone to a job where he's literally paid to keep his weight down, uh, but he has succeeded at doing that, so he didn't lose on The Biggest so Loser far, so far. So far. So far. Uh, next up, we have uh, the Jamarcus Russell Award for Biggest Hype Train Crash. So, uh, Harry, what have you gone for with that? I have gone for pick a rookie QB. Any rookie QB. I think there's a lot of promise in these rookie QBs. I do not think any of them are ready to start, and I think most of them are going to. And yeah. it's going to be bad. It's not good. Uh, Fitz? The train will crash into eight men for Leonard Fournette as they stack the box because you don't really have to worry about the quarterback this year in Jacksonville. Yeah. I've gone a similar way to yourself. I've gone Christian McCaffrey. I think he'll be all right. I don't think he is anywhere near as good as people thought. I didn't like what I saw in the preseason all that much about him. I think it'll still be grand, but I don't think he's going to be the great white hope that everyone seems to think he is. Uh, what we thought last year was uh, Jimmy G. Fitz had the Jacksonville defense and Harry had Dak Prescott. Wow, I was wrong. That was uh, quite far <laughs> off the mark. So we've got uh, Keeping the Homeless Warm, the Dumpster Fire of the Year, uh, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. What about yourself, Fitz? Jets. Uh, Harry? J E T. Bills? <laughs> I got some real competition there. That's a real competition in the AFC East. Like, yeah, uh, it's 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 one where I know we say it quite often, but fuck you and your AFC East. Can anyone else just get it as fucking easy as that? Two teams tanking and one team led by uh, Jay Cutler. This is fucking class. Our next one is you like that? What's going to be the worst quote of the year? So this is one where we have to cast our eyes forward, figure out something that's going to be said or done, and uh, will be memorable being the worst thing uh, of the season. So mine is. Well, 
It's just because we can see you as the face of our franchise. Said to Jay Cutler as he receives a four-year, $100 million contract. Uh, Fitz? John Fox has our complete confidence. <laughs> I don't know why... Like, I don't know why they're going to say it, but they probably will anyway. Yeah. And Harry? I, I just have the continued silence of Stan Cranke as he continues to let his teams go to shit while he sits well, saying nothing and rolls around in a pile of money. Very you good. You can actually sell Alexis Sanchez to the LA Rams. Like, you know, at this, point, <laughs> at, at this point, nothing would fucking surprise me anymore. Like. Mm. So we'll do a quick run through our, our last four sections. So we've got AFC champion. We are across the board here for the New England Patriots. We think they're going to win. That's fair enough. You could probably guess that from all of our preview work that we were doing over the last couple of episodes. NFC champion, we're all in disagreement. I've said the Packers. Fitz, you've said? Seahawks. Of course. And uh, Harry? <laughs> Dallas. Very good. Very good. Super Bowl winner. I've gone with the Packers. Fitz? Seahawks. Of course. <laughs> Harry. New England. Very good, very good. And our breakout player of the year. So this is just a player who we think is going to do very, very well this year. Doesn't have to be... What? Uh... Well, yeah, we've, we've ended up doing them all from our own teams, which I suppose is probably what we know the best. So uh, I've got with Tyreek Hill. I think now with the, the YR1 spot, he's going to see a lot more, uh, lot more kind of opportunities it could be very good it could also be fucking terrible but we'll see how it goes uh, I think the opportunity is there and I hope he's going to take it uh, Fitz you've gone with CJ Prosides I think you know what we saw last year before he got injured got me really excited so I think if he's healthy for an entire season he could be he could rack up a lot of yards as a dual like as a dual threat playmaker mm-hmm. very good I'm just impressed he didn't say Chris Carson to be honest <laughs> <laughs> To very, if I remember correctly, I think last year I picked Christine Michael for this. You did. Uh, and when he went from five teams, we said, no man can just play on five teams. He must be a great man to play on six teams. <laughs> wow. Seven teams. No man can ever defeat someone who's played for eight teams in a single season. And he went on to become the greatest player for every team that year. Uh, both, both, he was the best running back for Seattle. So. Yeah. Uh, he was also the best running back for most teams who were playing against him, which was uh, unfortunate. <laughs> Uh, and Harry, you've gone for... Uh, I've gone for Trey Flowers in New England. I think we are starved for pass rush this season. We saw some nice flashes coming out of him at the end of the season. I think this is where he steps up and shows that he's actually more than just a promising young player and is actually a very solid, very, very good uh, defensive end. And I'm excited to see good things from him. I think we could very easily have a mid-double-digit sack season out of this guy. I think he actually is just a fantastic guy who's just flown under the radar a little bit. Very good, very good. So I suppose this is going to bring us to... Uh, so yeah, well, we'll come back at some point during the season and see how we've done on any of these predictions. Probably incredibly poorly, uh, as, as with most predictions. We will move on to our review or previews of the games for next week. Uh, we do normally take some questions from listeners. We're a bit pressed for time. This we do. We actually, we'll do one of the questions from the listeners. Uh, so Owen has written in and he said... I don't really watch football. I don't really understand it very much, but I'm playing fantasy football. How could I win without putting in any effort? Uh, draft purely by how badass the name sounds. That's my piece of advice. Also, every spot that you draft at is only one player, with the exception of defense special teams. In that spot, you're drafting 11 players, so draft them first. That was solid <laughs> advice. I, I like the name thing. Like, if you end up, you pick the most badass names. And you end up with like um, you know a combination of Donnell Pumphrey and Wendell Smallwood at running back. You are you are set for life. My oh friend. yeah. What about yourself? Fitz? Have you got any? any... Oh, one other thing to add: if you're if you're in the IDP league, I can't even remember his second name. But there's a safety picked up by the Jets whose first name is Armageddon. Holy you've shit! Got to draft oh, he's got to be good. He's got to be good. He's got to be good. Yeah. Uh, what about yourself? Fitz? any any tips? 
skip the draft, don't listen to any trade offers, just hunker down and you know make sure that you, you play the players when they're alive. <laughs> Fair enough. That's a auto draft is a powerful thing, my friend. <laughs> As we have all found out to our cost in various leagues. <laughs> yes, we have we have we have at one stage had a fantasy league that was won by the auto draft machine because we had a spare team going. Uh, that was a dark day for all of us. <laughs> And onwards to the start of the season, the preview of the week one games for this new 2017-2018 NFL Bucking Championship. So lads, week one's here, finally real fucking football. Uh, first up, Thursday night, we're going to be up, we're going to be quite drunk. Uh, Kansas City at uh, New England. So I've gone for Kansas City. Fitz, you've gone for? New England. And Harry? New England, but I'm actually not super confident. <laughs> this is gas. Uh, I'm going to go to Fitz on this one. Fitz, why New England? I think New England, they're probably the best team in the NFL right now. And I think New England generally on the big stage don't wilt. So I imagine that in Foxborough, even though Kansas City will give them a good fight, that New England will, will prevail in the end. So, you know, it's hard to compete against New England right now. And uh, maybe we'll be shocked, but I don't expect so. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I think this is one that it's going to be heavily reliant on our defense showing up. Uh, one of the small, one small pluses I think we have is like if we have a weakness that showed during say that third preseason game against the Seahawks, it would be that like our line can be beaten if you get a big push from the line coming at it. And I would say that the front seven isn't the strongest part of the of the New England game. Uh, so that's at least our weakness doesn't matches up on what I would consider to be a weakness from them. Uh, it's it's just going to be a question of what can Kansas City do offensively. I don't think they I don't think they can they can get into a gunfight here. They can't win a gunfight, so it's all on the defense. I think it's going to be it's going to be a fun, hard hitting first game of the season, and I'm really fucking looking forward to it. Knife fights all round for Connor, you know. Oh yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> don't get blood on my couch, right? <laughs> We're going to have so much fun. Oh, there was no weapon involved. Um, I'm not saying anything. New York Giants at uh, Buffalo Bills. This is Harry's pick of the week. Uh, 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 so I've gone for Buffalo Fitz. Buffalo. And Harry? I've gone for whoever wins, Sam Darnold loses. Yep, it's a fair um, point. <laughs> this is, that has to be my pick of the week. Wait, wait. Harry, does this mean that the Jets are your new Rams this season? That you'll have non-answers all season? No, it's really just for this game because you've got two teams who are really... Like, both teams will want to lose this game. Let's let's be honest. This is... We're playing for the number one pick and it's week one. I don't think there has ever been a week one game where both teams have gone into it with such a catastrophic lack of hope. Where both teams have been stripping their rosters, saying, fuck it, we're blowing it all up. And making Shady McCoy very, very sad. Like, the Jets, we didn't mention earlier, but the Jets are trying to shop Matt Forte now. Yep. And although he's a guy on the downside, he's one of the few, like, decent players left on that team. And they're just like, screw it, let's get rid of him. The only thing that's stopping him shifting at the moment is I think he's got four million guarantees. He does, he does. Which isn't really that much, but I suppose for running back of his vintage, um, I'll tell you all you need to know about the Jets making contracts. But this is going to be hilarious. Like, we saw what happened when these two teams played when they were both a shit show at the end of last year, where they forgot how kickoffs work. Oh, God, just... I forgot that. Yeah. Magic, and I, I really can't imagine it's going to be any more competent this time. Like the the Jets have no good players left, really. Buffalo have Shady McCoy, and that's it. 
this is going to be a sloppy turnover fest where you've got two teams with good defensive lines and nothing else going for them. Mm. Probably not trying that hard to win, to be honest with you. So this could be, I just think, a really funny game. I think it's unique to see a week one matchup where both teams have already completely given up on the season. And I'm just looking forward to this as a Pats fan, really, just to take a look at the rest of the division and be like, this is going to be a good year. So I think we're going to get some good highlights out of this. I think we're going to get some good laughs out of this. I think we're going to get some monumentally bad quarterback play out of this because Buffalo are down to their third string QB who's a late-round rookie, and, well, we know what the story is with the Jets at this point. Yeah. So, bring it on, I say. Uh, like, make Sam Darnold stay another year before he declares. This Let- is basically creating kind of like a time warp of playing like the 2008 Detroit Lions against the 2016 Cleveland Browns. Like, that level of game in week one. That's amazing. Like, it, it's you know? going to be magic. I say, fuck Red Zone. Let's just watch this the oh, whole time. God, I might watch in my own house. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh Fair enough. No, uh, so, because we, we're going to need for the standings at the end, what is your pick on this one? Buffalo or uh, Jets? Uh, oh, Buffalo because Shady exists, I guess. Yeah, seems about, it seems about right. Next up, we have Jacksonville at Houston. Uh, we've gone Houston across the board on this one. Uh, Fitz, why have we gone Houston? Jacksonville. Portals. Like the third worst team? <laughs> <laughs> it's a strong start to the lake where we've got three of the worst teams. Like, Imagine like JJ Watt and Jadavian Clowney just like eating on the corpse of Blake Portals, uh, and then Chad Henning, and then probably Brandon Allen all in one game. Uh, so yeah, it's not going to be fun for Jacksonville. Uh, so Houston is probably going to win. I don't know. Like Tom Savage will probably do things, but it won't matter. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have uh, Pittsburgh at Cleveland. We've all gone Pittsburgh across the board on this. Wow, some of these are very bad teams at the start of this slate. Um, yeah, like, obviously, Pittsburgh, across the board, it's the start of the season. They're pretty much all healthy, so they'll be firing. They've got an incredible offense. They've got a good-looking young defense who we're going to be excited to see how they line up. Then there's Cleveland, who have pieces that could be good. They've got a defense that could be good. They've got some bits on offense that could be good, but they're not going to be. They're going to be, at best, okay. And that's not going to be able to stand with what I think we all reckon is probably at least like top three in the AFC team in Pittsburgh at the moment so uh, yeah they, they don't stand this is this is why they shouldn't have started the fucking rookie when we were discussing it earlier yeah. like you don't want him to like landing in first game in his home stadium and just getting a buzzsaw of Pittsburgh like it's just not fun James Harrison's going to eat him yeah literally yeah he's just going to be like oh I'm hungry I need a half time snack <laughs> Yeah, it's only like the, the 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 one from American Gods, and just like suddenly James Harrison is going to look about three years younger, having absorbed the essence of this young football player. Uh, next up, we've got Arizona at Detroit. This is Ronan's pick of the week. Uh, I've gone Arizona. Fitz has gone Arizona, and Harry. I have gone for Detroit. And before Ronan gives us the full thing, I'm just going to say I know, I know, but Arizona are shit. <laughs> I think when we're just talking about teams that could streak into the playoffs, so like you know, there's a clear delineation, uh, more so in the AFC, but even in the NFC, between the teams that we expect realistically that are probably going to be in the playoffs and those who are almost certainly not going in the playoffs. Uh, but I think obviously, like every year, there's this cohort of teams that we're not really sure where to put them. Like for example, the entire NFC East. Um, 
and these are two other teams that aren't in the NFC East that, that fall into that category as well. Arizona, I was actually quite down in Arizona. Like I talked about it in the preview, uh, especially on the defense. But all the indications from preseason and camp is that they are looking good. I think a large part of that depends on Honey Badger staying fit. But since this is the first game, that should be true at least for a few games. And I think with Honey Badger in the backfield, that could cover up a lot of the issues that they have, particularly the CB2 spot. And I think Arizona... I think we said it uh, during the previews. If everything comes together in that offense, which obviously, with the exception of David Johnson, is a bit of an aging unit, then they can do very special things. We saw that a couple of years ago. It's still most of the same personnel, so there isn't, you know, we can't disbelieve that that could happen again. And on the other hand, we have Detroit, who went on such, who were so streaky last year, went on that amazing like comeback streak in the fourth quarter, a fourth quarter comeback streak, and you know, we're a year later. Matt uh, Stafford just got paid, but we're not really still sure where Detroit are as a team. Are they a team which overachieved last year or underachieved? So for me personally, this is one of those one of those games which would kind of give us the first real indication of where we think these teams are likely to go for the rest of the season. Because right now, I don't think we really know in either case where that direction could be. And at the end of the day, the, the win in this game could be the difference between one of these teams making the uh, the wild card spot or not at the end of the season, or or pipping mm-hmm. a, a champion or pipping a division. So for me, it's an intriguing game for two teams we don't really have a good read on right now. And it'll be interesting to see where these will kind of put them going forward. Uh, and I and like both teams have good, exciting offenses, uh, and both have decent defenses. So it, it should be a good, solid game of football as well. Yeah, no, of course. Next up, we have uh, Tampa Bay at Miami. I've gone for Miami with a big question mark being, hmm. Uh, Tampa Bay for yourself, Fitz, and Tampa Bay for you, Harry. So, Harry, why Tampa Bay? Yeah, I'm not massively comfortable in this call either, but um, I, I, I just think that Tampa Bay, when you look at what they have in the receiving game, particularly at this stage, matched up against that Miami uh, backfield, which has been questionable, I think, pretty much consistently I think Tampa Bay have enough more firepower than Miami and I think that's going to make a difference I think even if you know they don't have Doug Martin we've seen that they can put together a multi-headed monster in the backfield Jameis Winston is a ridiculous player who should not exist in the sense that he just makes no sense like will do amazing things and then will stare down a receiver and get picked off on like a four-yard crossing yeah. route but so is Jay Cutler so that's a wash but I just think when you look at the weapons like Mike Evans like Cameron Brait matched up against that backfield in in Miami uh, I have a feeling that Tampa Bay are going to just about edge this one out and what I think should be a fun game with a lot of like reckless slinging it around and a sloppy game and I think in that kind of game I, I'd, I'd favour the team with the better with the better wide outs and with the better um, receiving threats yeah, like, I think, like, I'm with you I think this is going to be sloppy messy I think it's going to be great crack I think this is going to be like like proper back in the day like playoff Jay Cutler style like just like fucking no passes going less than 30 yards in the air kind of you know like it's just going to be just going to be mad like Miami have a very nice run game nice pieces on offense I don't know a huge amount about how their defense is going to look I think it's I think this is going to be an offensive driven game which is going to be fun I like hard dose defense but sometimes you just like look put them down in like Florida just let them have like Nice weather, just crazy fucking passing and running, and like it's it basically gonna feel a little bit like watching the Pro Bowl. Like it's gonna be great because Pro Bowl is the greatest game of football that's ever made. So uh, yeah, I think Miami edge it just because I think Jay Cutler will be on a slightly tighter leash and will not make as many mistakes because this is his first job after spending a summer without getting one. Whereas famous James, while very good, 
is still a little bit stupid about some of these things, as we've seen on the TV show that he's on at the moment. Uh, your, your belief in Jay Cutler caring about things is <laughs> very, very exaggerated. I, I don't. You see, I think I think I think Jay Cutler gets a gets a really hard time because like he's fun to watch whenever he just like, and now he's in the sunshine. He doesn't have the fucking Chicago fans baying for his blood the whole time. He's down there because his wife got bored of having him in the house. Like, of course he's going to be more relaxed. Of course he's going to be like. Fuck it, I'm just going to try it. I think this is going to be a fun game. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Next up, we've got Atlanta at Chicago. Uh, we've got Atlanta across the board. Why is that, Fitz? Mike Lennon isn't very good, and he'll be starting, and he'll lose the job. And Atlanta will... I think Atlanta, there's question marks there, particularly on the offense. It's Sarkeesian coming in, and whether the defense can elevate, but against the Chicago team, which I think is solid and, and decent, but isn't really up to, like playoff standards yet uh, particularly with all those questions of quarterbacks so I think Atlanta should sweep this relatively easy in the end yeah so, solid and decent I think is the nicest thing anyone has said about Chicago this off season yeah they look, they look okay um, next up Oakland at Tennessee we've got Oakland across the board which isn't because like, I think we were all pretty pretty strong on Tennessee uh, so Harry why have we got Oakland yeah, I think this is, this is actually going to be a genuinely good game as opposed mm. to a Miami-Tampa Bay game. These are two young, exciting teams with good quarterbacks, with uh, good, good, uh, well, good other parts of the teams, shall we say, on, mm-hmm. on both sides, but also with, with holes. But I think that overall, when you look at it, um, Oakland are the better team. They're also critically, the, I think, the better coach team. I'm still not that impressed with what we've seen out of this like exotic smash mouth thing that's going on down in, in Tennessee. I think that they are going to be figured out a little bit in the run game this season, despite the talent they have there. And while I think Mariota is a great player, I think Derek Carr is further along in his development at this stage. And if it comes down to a quarterback battle, I, I would go with him. I also think the, the quality of the O-line for... Um, for Oakland is, is going to be a big factor. They're a very well well drilled keys of unit. Whereas when you look at um, Tennessee's O line, which has a lot of talent, but is going to be up against the likes of Khalil Mack, that's a big concern because that is an ill disciplined unit mm-hmm. that is prone to breaking down and making sloppy mistakes and giving up stupid penalties. And I think that's the kind of thing that's going to come. Da- this game is going to come down to because I think it is going to be fun. I think it is going to be close. But I'm going to go with the team that I just feel has more uh, more solid weapons, has a, a, is better led and better quarterbacked and better managed. Um, but I think this will be a really interesting game as well because I think this will really tell us where Tennessee are going to be at this season. If they can give the Raiders a good fight, mm-hmm. that's a sign that this is a team that is very, very much in contention to uh, to win their division. Whereas if they get blown out, it's like, oh, okay, maybe we had a bit of a false dawn last year. That's an ex- I'm, I'm thinking the exact same thing, but I'm also thinking the same thing for Oakland as well. That this will give us a feel for where Oakland are because... Like I, again, I think Tennessee will be good, and I think they'll push them. And I think how Oakland respond to that will be interesting to see as well. Uh, next up, we have Baltimore at Cincinnati. We've gone for Baltimore across the board. I think the basic rationale on this is Baltimore are injured as fuck, but Cincinnati are not that good. You can tell we all just looked at that and were like, "Wait, what? What did we do?" Yep. <laughs> it's uh, like it's that thing of like, no one trusts the red rifle, mm. like. As long as Joe Flacco is actually in for this game, I'm happy to go with Baltimore in this spot. I think what we're looking at from Baltimore this year is probably a lot more like what we saw in the early 2000s. Really, really hard-hitting defense and an offense that's going to grind it out and win like 
15 to 9 and, and stuff like that there like it's not going to be exci- they can't they, they don't look at the moment anyway like a team that's going to be able to put up 27 points a game they look like a team that need to keep the scoreline at 20 or below and I think that's what they're going to try to do here I don't think Cincinnati are going to I think they're going to do well but I think they've got a lot of pieces coming in to get right they've got their rookie running back they've got a terrible looking offensive line at the moment like they might have the fastest 40 time in, in the history of the NFL but if you can't hold the ball for long enough to throw it deep then that's worth fucking jack shit so we'll see how that goes I think this is going to be Baltimore's defence will decide whether this is won or lost and I'm going to side with them over the offence led by the Red Rifle for now uh, Philadelphia at Washington I have gone for the Mazungus Harry you've gone for Philadelphia believe it or not and Fitz you have gone for Mazungus so why the Mazungus Fitz yeah like I think both of these teams, I think, are trending in opposite directions. But you know, obviously, the Washington—sorry, yeah, Washington—they're trending downwards. But they were probably the better team to start with. While I think Philadelphia had a poor season last season, but probably are, are going on the up. But I think you know, when I look at the talent level on the two teams, I think Washington are still a bit ahead of them. And I think um, in terms of Philadelphia, I just have a lot of questions there about how they're going to integrate all those new offensive pieces, particularly the run game. I thought, like, last year, the biggest issue was that they couldn't really get a run game going, which put all the pressure on Carson Wentz. And while that worked out for, like, five games, I think once people figured that out, they started really going after him. Uh, if LeGarrette Blunt actually hits the ground running, then that could change my opinion. But I, I don't think LeGarrette Blunt runs anywhere except for New England. I don't know. Whatever, whatever happens... Uh, whatever happens with Bill Belichick looking over his shoulder, he seems to kind of just lays off a bit, and I don't think Philly will have enough on the ground there. Like both of these kind of feel like eight and eighteen, but like Washington kind of feel like the the better one at the moment. Uh, this is more a vote against Washington than in favor of Philly. I mean, this Washington have just descended into disarray again over the last few weeks. Like the whole Kirk Cousins situation has become totally unmanageable and even watching him in the preseason it's worrying he doesn't seem to be making a connection with Terrell Pryor he seems out of rhythm and off balance um, he, he just doesn't look comfortable the receivers don't look comfortable the less said about this team's defense the better to be honest at this stage the run game seems to be dissipating at a rate of knots they're relying on Fat Rob again who's fine but I I feel that Washington is just sliding back into chaos and I just I don't want to, you know, be, oh, psychologically, but really, I'm like, I don't know if this team is in the space to win games right now against even mediocre opponents like Philly, because it all just feels like the wheels are, are just waiting to come off, and as soon as things start going wrong, if they, like, give up the first touchdown or two, this team could just go to pieces. And they're, and they're at home, and that's a crowd that yeah. will turn on them real quick. Like, I remember, was it three years ago... Uh, Whenever they, I think, I think it was the Chiefs were having them in a snow game, but like, you know, but by half time, more than two thirds of the stadium had left. They just, they had no time for it. They booed them and then they left. Like, if if they start out the wrong way, this could this could go south real quick. Uh, next up, we've got Indianapolis at the LA Rams. I've gone for Indianapolis. Fitz, I've gone for the Rams. Uh, Harry. Indianapolis with as many question marks as I could fit in the box. This is, as I said, this is probably it on Andrew Luck is presumed to be playing, but... It's very uncertain right now. Yeah, completely uh, of, all, of all the quarterbacks who had uncertainty about their injury status, Andrew Luck is probably the one with the most uncertainty, with perhaps the exception of Tyrod Taylor right now. Yeah. Uh, I think Cam Newton and Joe Flacco are kind of expected back, but Andrew Luck is still very much in the air. Yeah. And... On that basis, I went for the Rams, to be honest. Like, let's be honest, this is, is Andrew Luck playing? If not, select Rams. If yes, select Colts. 
I think, but you've got to remember, but both of these are bad teams without their best player. Like yeah. we don't, Aaron Donald is probably not going to play, yeah. and that was the that was the point for me. It was like mm. without him disrupting even Indy's shitty O line is. Yeah, and like they Indi- might have enough. Like, and Indianapolis are missing some players as well. But oh, yeah. it's just that thing of like, I I like some of the pieces that are in LA. I don't think with all the changes that have happened in the off season that they're going to have it all together in place. They've got a great new defensive coordinator, but they're missing some of their defensive pieces and won't have been able to bet in a scheme. They've got new offensive approach, but you know this is a rookie. Well, was a rookie That's is obvious. essentially still a rookie. Let's be honest. Starting a new offensive scheme here, they don't necessarily have the pieces in to be able to run what they want to run yet. I don't expect a huge amount from them. Indianapolis, I at least expect they've got a couple of veterans. They've got the the inconvenient truth, Frank Gore there to just trundle along for 150 yards on like 60 carries. Uh, like that's just what they'll do. That's it. That's where you're going to miss Aaron Donald. Yeah. If Aaron Donald plays, LA win this game. Even if Andrew Luck plays, mm. but he's not going to. And there's an inter- They've got a little rookie running back who I saw some highlights of. He looked good in Indiana. Mac. I think it's him. He yeah, looks great. He, looks he actually really, looks great. Really good. Um, but yeah, it'll be an interesting one. I don't think it'll be a good football game, but I think it'll be interesting to get a feel for where some of these teams are. And to be honest, seeing where some of these injury concerns and, and new schemes fit for these teams. Uh, next up, Carolina at San Francisco. We've all taken Carolina across the board. Why is that, Harry? San Francisco, like come on! Yeah, they just they just um, they just it, gave away it, it, fucking Vance McDonald so they could pay him six million to not play for them. Yeah, like that's the mentality. Team, look, I mean, I mean, San Fran is going to be ugly this season. I think we all know it. Like um, Pierre Garcon actually looks like he might be okay, which is interesting. He seems to have developed quite a good rapport with Hoyer. Carlos Hyde, as we know, is is a good player, but this is a team bereft of talent on both sides of the ball. Realistically, um, and Carolina for all their inconsistency and all their wobbles still have um, some really nice pieces on defense. They still have Cam Newton, who is an incredible player. And like, if you want to talk about Carolina's weaknesses in the defensive backfield and in the run game, those aren't things that San Fran have really shown themselves to be able to exploit. Um, their defensive front isn't good. Uh, they're not going to really be able to bully defensive backs with Brian Hoyer at quarterback. So I, I just think Carolina are the better team and San Fran are kind of rubbish. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's certainly looking that way. I will be intrigued to see how the uh, how the scheme and stuff looks in San Fran with, uh, with um, what's his name landing over there Shanahan. as a head coach, uh, Shanahan. So that should be that should be interesting to see. Uh, next up, we have uh, Seattle Seahawks traveling down to Green Bay. So I've gone for Green Bay. Uh, please don't hit me, Fitz. Fitz, who have you gone for? Go for oh, of course. Of course. And uh, Harry, who have you gone for? Uh, Green Bay. Very good. Uh, Fitz, do you want to tell us why Seattle are going to win on the road? Honestly, I think like the defense is looking pretty good in preseason. Uh, there's still a question mark over the CB2 slot, but otherwise they've looked good. Uh, and Earl, Earl Thomas looks like he's fit and stuff. Uh, the main thing is that like Russell Wilson has looked really, really good the yeah. preseason. Uh, so if Russell Wilson is at his like magic bullshit self then this could turn into a game of just him and Aaron Rodgers like throwing impossible throws, uh, you know, opposing each other for like four quarters with the okay, like with a fair amount of sacks probably at the same time. Um, so it should be a good game of football at least. And you know, in a game of magic bullshit football, I think Seahawks have found that they're usually good at beating Green Bay in those. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a fair point. They have a decent historic precedent in the mm. magic bullshit games against Green Bay, so we'll see if they can do it again here uh, and add to the fail Mary and the and the major comeback uh, series of games. Yeah, what about you? So you've gone with Green Bay, haven't you? Yeah, I have. Um, I, it was a tough call, and I think 
Green Bay being the home team had a, had a bit of a bit of an edge. That's I mean, what's for me. This is Aaron Rodgers fresh at the start of the season. This is a fully healthy Jordy Nelson. Um, Randall Cobb is healthy again. Like this is a Packers team that has basically managed to come away intact with all of its weapons, and now has Marty Bennett. And we saw that like uh, Rodgers was able to make fucking Jared Cook look good. And now he's actually got a, leg- a legitimately good tight end threat, but also a tight end who can block, which has been an issue for Green mm-hmm. Bay. And now they have that, and they're not going to be somewhere reliant on the fallback. So that is something that I think is going to make a difference while holding up against that Seattle defense and that pass rush, which we know is nasty. Having a guy like uh, Bennett in there to, to pass up, but also critically to run block, is going to do wonders for this team um, and give a little bit of extra protection to Rodgers. And I think that kind of thing, that little bit of extra protection, that little bit more they have in the running game, that little bit more they have with the healthy wide receivers, just gives them the edge and being at home against the Seattle team that I, I, we, I think we all agree is, is, is looking very, very oh, tasty brilliant. this year. Um, but that combined with, um, again, Seattle sort of problems on the O-line, I just give the edge to Green Bay. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see now. Uh, next up, we have got uh, New York Giants at Dallas. Uh, I've picked this for my pick of the week because... Uh, Jesus, this looks like it'll be a tasty game. Uh, we've got Dallas across the board. I almost feel like this is wasted on week one. Like this is a mm. huge, big, like in division matchup between two monster teams. Like they could have given us a lot of shit, and we would have just watched it because it's been so long. <laughs> like what, we, we've all, I, mean, I mean, we've got the Jets and the Bills. Like I know, I know. <laughs> like you could have split them up. You could have Giants versus Bills and Dallas versus Jets. Or, I want to watch football. What an execution! Yeah, yeah it's true, but. Uh, yeah, so we've gone Dallas across the board here. I think this is going to be a very good game. I think New York Giants have a very explosive-looking offense. There's still question marks on their offensive line, some question marks on their defense, but they've got some nice pieces. They've got pass rush and stuff in there. Dallas has always looked like they're going to have a good offense. Uh, as it sounds, it looks like they're probably not going to be enforcing the uh, the Ziggy Elliott suspension for the for those games unless they come to a final conclusion very quickly. I'd say he'll be in there for the first game. They're going to have a very strong-looking offense. Uh, they're going to have good offensive line, and then they're going to have massive deficiencies in their defense. So this is going to be a high-scoring, exciting game where it's going to be two or three big surprise plays from defenses that are might going to swing this. Like this has me, and I know it's probably over-egging because it's going to be a first game, so some of them are going to be a bit sloppier than they should be. But this has me immediately in mind of that um, Dallas Broncos game from three years ago, was it? Oh, the, uh, yeah. The Tony Romo uh, 49-52 shootout. shootout. Great. Like, that's what this feels like it could be because these are two stocked offences with two defences who have good bits but are not complete defences. I think it's going to be a real exciting game. I'm looking forward to watching it. Uh, next up, New Orleans, Minnesota. I've gone for Nolan's Fitz. Minnesota. And Harry? Just about New Orleans. <laughs> Just about Just New about. Orleans. Uh, so why New Orleans? I think that the Saints don't look fantastic. I think that the Vikings look worse. Um, and I think the concern is that throughout the preseason, particularly in the third week, the Vikings' defense looked bad. Like, it actively looked bad. And that's worrying. Because if you want to roll out with a bad defense against Drew Brees... In, I should point out, what is a, a dome stadium? You're fucked. Yeah, you are fucked. So, I, I, I just I, I'm worried that Minnesota. I think the regression we saw in the back half of last season looks like it stayed a little bit, based on what we've seen this season. Uh, New Orleans, we know, have a million and one problems. We don't need to rehash them. They've addressed precisely zero of the issues they had from last mm-hmm. year. Um, well, they drafted a lump of things, but we don't know if they're going to fix them. Yeah, exactly. This, I mean, like, I, I, we haven't seen anything to indicate yeah. that's the case. Maybe it will be, but I, I'm, I'm not convinced. But uh, I just think, look, you're, you're going up against Drew Brees when your defense doesn't quite seem to have gelled. That's a recipe for Drew Brees to, to drop 50 points on you. And Drew Brees can beat Sam Bradford in a shootout. That just isn't a question <laughs> yeah. at this point. 
Um, we also think that also the other thing to note is that while New Orleans pass rush isn't anything special, the Vikings O-line still appears to be in absolute tatters and is possibly as, as bad, if not worse, than Seattle's, like, to be, to be completely mm-hmm. blunt. They haven't re- remedied that. And it doesn't take much. It really only takes, like, having one or two good pass rushers. And we know that New Orleans have one in particular good pass rusher to cause enough disruption to break this entire team's uh, offense down to three-yard drags and short hitch routes, and that's it. So I just think Minnesota will struggle to give Bradford time, as they will against every single team in the league. Bradford isn't the kind of guy who's going to push the ball downfield and really exploit how questionable that secondary is. And while their defense is struggling, Drew Brees is going to be able to light them up. So I think New Orleans are going to win this just this is one of the few games they really can just win through firepower. And I wouldn't have said that before the preseason, but what we've seen from the Minnesota defense has me saying that now. Yeah. Fitz, why Minnesota? Yeah, like I think the indications of preseason haven't been great for Minnesota, but I have just the belief in the amount of talent that they have that they'll be able to turn it around uh, when the games get real. Um, I think on offense, I think like the offensive line, there's still issues there. I think you're overstating like, the effect of the single passenger game. I think you, you can play around that. And there's still questions about the whether New Orleans can get enough pressure off the middle. I think the big X factor for Minnesota this year is if they can get that run game going. Dalvin Cook has looked quite good in the preseason. So if they get Dalvin Cook going, if they can get a bell cow to replace Adrian Peterson, basically, I think Minnesota can look like a lot more balanced team in offense and basically take a little bit of pressure off the defense. So I'm kind of up on Minnesota, even despite their performances. So I'm going to take a punt on them to, to show that in the real games. Uh, but like you know, I think Harry's correct, like... This is probably a close one, and this is probably similar to the some of these other games where these are two teams that we're not really sure where they are right now, but, mm-hmm. but we'll see. We'll have a better idea mm-hmm. once the games actually get going. No, of course. And then our final game is uh, the now LA Chargers at the Denver Broncos. Uh, we've gone for the Chargers across the table. Why, we say? Because uh, it's early enough that they've still got most of their players. Uh, Denver are in disarray. They don't have the quarterback that they wanted to win their competition there. They have a offensive line that's questionable. They have a defense that is still good. But as we discussed previously, it, they've lost their defensive coordinator. Some of those pieces are older than they are uh, last season. And they're already looking at trying to trade away one or two bits I think, I think find everyone who was on the team last season is now older, Connor. No, actually, two of them are Benjamin Buttoning at the moment. <laughs> Uh, which is why they uh, it's why they've said that they've regressed it's something to do with their play Um, but no it's it's one of the things like the Chargers are a very good looking team they've got an explosive offense they've got really good pieces on defense the problem has eternally been that they haven't been able to stay healthy they haven't been able to last out the seasons this is the start of the season this is a weakened Denver team this is a perfect time to get one up on a divisional rival that said because of that, maybe we shouldn't be picking the Chargers. They tend to bottle these sometimes. But yeah, I, just, I think this is, this is going to be a game where we kind of want them to win. Just come on, yeah. come on, Chargers. Yeah. You, you can do it. Come on. Come on. <laughs> come on, chase that third place. Uh, <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, like, it should be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Chargers look. I would be slightly interested to see how the Denver offense looks because I'm imagining they're going to have to try and run a lot of it through their run game and I don't know how that's going to look with a questionable O-line and several people competing for snaps in that backfield so we'll see Uh, it'll be interesting but I don't think it's going to be one of the best games this weekend and uh, guys that's our slate for the first week of of the NFL season are we excited? oh yeah football's back man well soon football will be back soon very soon very soon very looking forward uh, to it it's going to be class got red zone got game pass got a few beers oh class. it's going to be brilliant uh, but yeah so uh, any other cracking shells this week guys any any plans uh, not a huge amount uh, got a couple of drafts over on the weekend and a couple of parties to go to as well so very nice yeah, are you going to drop over for the uh, 
Yeah, I'll come over next Tuesday for the for the drafts. Um, there's one on Sunday and one on Tuesday. Uh, there's two on Tuesday. Two on Tuesday and one on Sunday, yeah. yeah right. So I'll probably do the Sunday one in the house and I'll do the Tuesday ones over here. Sound out. Um, and then we're going to watch the the sports ball on the Thursday. Uh, Fitz, what's the crack with yourself? Are you going to be staying up and watching it or what are you doing? Uh, yeah, like I, I should be able to get time off for that. Mm. Maybe even... I can come down to Dublin. I don't know. Oh, yeah, you should. You are you are more than welcome to uh, to come down. In fact, you fucking should. Yeah, it'll be good crack. Um, we can go drinking at like eight o'clock. You guys can. I'll take a nap. <laughs> you guys can. I'll take a fucking nap. And then we'll record a live coverage of the first one live on Facebook, uh, or no, we'll do it live on Etsy. <laughs> <laughs> this is a live cast on Etsy. Small, Tyler, small art, small batch artisanal handcrafted podcast. Yeah, just yeah. for you. Yeah, it'll be great. Tell us a couple of things about yourself. We'll make sure the insults really, really hurt you. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, no, that should be good fun. Uh, we'll try and arrange some bits like that there. And uh, yeah, I tell you, that I don't think there's a huge amount else. Uh, until uh, the first week. Oh yeah, obviously, fire us questions on the Facebook, on the Twitter, on the Etsy, on the on the Pornhub, all that kind of stuff. Any 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 website you go, just leave a message there. I'm, I'm sure we'll find it. We, we're, we do nothing but Google ourselves <laughs> all day long. That's I, code. That's code for masturbate, right? I googled myself all the time. I can multitask. I googled myself in the bathroom there just a few minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good note to end on. Uh, so, uh, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from Harry. Goodbye. Goodbye from Ronan. Bye. This has been all four quarters. Uh, Onwards to the first week of football. Actual football. Actual football. All the time. Woo! <laughs>